Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number six of the Nick and John podcast. What's up, Nick? Not much. It's been a little while, but we're back and I'm excited. What about we're you? back. We're back. Yeah, no, it's been uh, really, really crazy. Uh, like, you know, when you get into June and uh, there's a lot going on, we were watching the NBA finals a lot, which we'll get into a little bit later. Yes. Uh, for those of us uh, who have been listening throughout each and every podcast while we're talking about the weather to start it, it's finally summer in Montreal. So. If you've been listening, though, um, I'm a little apprehensive to talk about the weather because known fact, every time we talk about the weather getting nice on this podcast, the next couple days are crap. So let's enjoy this beautiful day we're having and leave it at that. Yeah. No, we're not even going to broach the subject. It it has been nice, but that's it. That's it. That's That's all we're going to do. Uh, but instead, we are going to talk about a few different segments like we do every time, uh, get into a few different topics, things that are going on. So I'm really excited to jump right into it. And Nick, I believe you have a game for me and all of the listeners to play along. So let's start off with that. Yeah, well, first off, um, we're here in Montreal, Quebec, Go Canada. And as most of you know, weed has recently been legalized. Recreationally, I partake. I know You're not much of a smoker, but I wanted to play a game that I call weed or alt bad. So aside from the funny feeling marijuana gives you, something else I always found really funny was that a lot of the strains are hilarious names, um, a lot of which resemble the random and hilarious names of alternative bands. So I compiled a list here of some alternative bands, some marijuana strains, and I wanted you and any listeners at home to guess weed or bad so what's funny here is i think that there's going to be a lot of people who are listening that actually know more about the strands of weed but i actually think i might be better knowing some of the bands so it's funny i think so too um i tried my best to take some of the ridiculous names that aren't as well known some that maybe occasional weed smokers wouldn't know maybe the more heavy duty pros would but I'd be very surprised if you even knew any of these bands. If you do, kudos. But um, yeah, should we hop right in it? Okay, so let's do it. So what I would love to do is you're going to give me, so you're going to give me the name and then I'm going to guess which one it is. Is that how it's going to work? I'm going to give you a weed strand and I'm going to give you an alt band and you're going to guess which is which. Okay, perfect. So I just want to make sure everyone understands the rules. So I'll give you guys who are listening a couple seconds to think about it as well. I'll go through my thoughts and then I'll tell you my answer. Love it, because yes, I'd also love to know your rationale for why you picked each one. Okay, let's do it. All right, so first off, we have Alaskan Thunderfuck and Candy Striper Death Orgy. Okay, so one of them is the weed and one of them is the band. Yes, one more time, it's Alaskan Thunderfuck and Candy Striper Death Orgy. Ooh, okay, they both feel very like wwe like soundtrack alaskan candy fuck is that what you said alaskan thunderfuck and candy striper death orgy they do both sound like wwe soundtrack something you yeah. would see in an xbox game <laughs> okay uh well, this is gonna be much harder than i thought it would be okay mm-hmm. so i think that I don't know. I just get this like ACDC style vibe off mm. of the Alaskan one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe because I'm thinking like Thunderstruck. So uh, I'm going to go with that one. 
as the <laughs> so I'm gonna go so I'm gonna go with that one as the band. Okay, so Alaskan Thunderfuck is the band and Candy Striper Death Orgy is the strain of marijuana. Yes, I can't imagine a I, I can't even say it because it's not in front of me and I can't read it, but I can't imagine that being a strain of marijuana, but I'm just gonna go for it. Alaskan Thunderfuck, a legendary sativa dominant strain known for possessing a relaxing yet intensive euphoric high. Oh, Meanwhile, no. Candy Striper Death Orgy, perpetual local opener for every thrash and death metal band that comes to Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, no. Okay. We're all for one, people. <laughs> yeah, but we got plenty more, and I have faith. So next up, we have Schnazzleberry and God's Girlfriend. God's Girlfriend. Okay, I feel like God's Girlfriend would be a band, and Schnazzleberry sounds like something that could be created out of the ground but i feel like this is one of those things where it's not actually like what it should be so like i reverse feel like psychology exactly so i feel like god's girlfriend is the strain of weed and schnauzelberry is the band final answer so here's the thing I would have thought God's girlfriend, if had I not known all this information, would have been the weed just because it's almost like, oh, a euphoric thing. You feel close to God. But Schnazzleberry Cannabis Strain is an indica heavy blend that new stoners shouldn't start out with. Meanwhile, God's girlfriend started out as a recording project with a few friends. Oh, no. I was so right. And then I just... You were so I, right. You got to yeah. go on uh, intuition. Got to go on your first instinct. Got to go with my gut. All right. Well, next up we have... Crispy Ambulance versus Trainwreck. So there are a lot of bands that have to do with trains, I feel. So Trainwreck sounds like the band. But I just can't imagine there being a strain of weed called Crispy Ambulance because it would make you think that taking it would cause you... To go uh, in a Crispy Ambulance. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the thought. So I feel like Crispy Ambulance has to be the band and Trainwreck has to be the weed. Trainwreck is a mind-bending hybrid potent sativa effects that hits you like a freight train, while Crispy Ambulance is an English post-punk band formed in, Mas in Manchester in late 1977. We so you're one. right. Uh, first of all, yeah, you got one there. Second of all, you said two really good points. I feel like Trainwreck is like the lead singer of Train when he gets into his midlife crisis and forms like his second like spin-off band. And also, you made me envision what a crispy ambulance would be, and I definitely would like to see that, like an ambulance that's like fried in batter. You know, I'm picturing Pat Monahan like going into a crispy ambulance. <laughs> Trainwreck live from the crispy ambulance. I yeah. love it. Yeah, exactly. Next up, speaking of um pop culture icons we have purple urkel and amish meth lab Ooh. okay purple urkel i feel like someone once looked at some marijuana uh before it was like put together like wait, when it when it was just arrived like in its in its original form mm -hmm. it said this kind of looks like steve urkel <laughs> and was like you know what Purple Urkel. So I would say Purple Urkel is the weed. Amish Meth Lab, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine using the name of another drug in the name of a drug. So I think it has to be the band Amish Meth Lab. Well, 
You're definitely right there because Purple Urkel's history is a complex as its flavored palate. Consumers report the indica effects to be deeply relaxing, sleep-inducing, and a great option for full-body pain relief. While Amish Meth Lab is a solo music project that came from the love of easy score music and pop punk. Purple Urkel makes you say, did I do that? Did I do that? I would love to see, to your point, the nug of weed that resembles Steve Urkel. Because yes. I feel like that is something that needs to be in a museum if it exists out there. Yes. Yeah, it would be like, guys, guys, this looks like Steve Urkel. <laughs> it's one of those, like you find that chip that looks like Abraham Lincoln. And it's like, oh my God, everyone look. Next up, I want to get to my favorite of the comparisons. And it is Natalie Portman's shaved head and Bob Saget. Natalie Portman's shaved head and Bob Saget. Okay, so we have another situation where we could say that this Serena Weed either looked like Bob Saget or looked like Natalie Portman's shaved head. It's in head. the museum next to the nug that looks like Steve Urkel. Yeah, but I do know that there's a lot of like punk bands and like alternative bands that would be like, ooh, how do we get popular without like losing our edge? So mm-hmm. I feel like saying like, oh yeah, we're going to call ourselves like Natalie Portman's shaved head would like make everyone be like, ooh, what's that? So I feel like Bob Saget is the weed. Natalie Portman's shaved head is the band. Ding, ding, ding. You're right with this one, John. I'm getting good. I'm getting good. You are getting much better at this. Bob Saget is a stimulating sativa that won second place at the 2016 Colorado Cannabis Cup, while a band now known as Bright Futures, formerly known as Natalie Portman's shaved head, is an American indie rock electronica brand band from Seattle, Washington. This is my game. Yeah, right? <laughs> if we had like a bunch more rounds, eventually you can be like, hmm, I'm a pro at weed or alternative bands. <laughs> yeah. Last up, and uh, I'd like to say I'd save la- best for last, is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Alien, or Fart Barf? Oof. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Alien. Okay. This is like an Uma Thurman style band. Okay. Fart barf. Um, ooh, this is a tough one. Okay. I feel like Crouching Tiger Hidden Alien is the weed. Fart barf is the band. Because, yes, because I feel like you're going to, people would be more interested in going. It's like, you know when like fish was really popular in like the 90s? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, let's go to a fish concert. I feel like it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, oh, let's go see Fart Barf. Because <laughs> <Is> it similar? <laughs> it's kind of. Like, I, feel like, I feel like it's like such a creative name. Like so many people are looking to like make an impact, like Natalie Portman's shaved head or Fart Barf, <laughs> that I feel, like, I feel like Fart Barf is the band. You're definitely right. Crouching Tiger Hidden Alien is a perfect choice for sleepless nights or for getting rest and relaxation while... Fart Barth is a band consisting of three unamusing, well-mannered, and fun-loving fellows from a town near the sea, regressed, mutated, and collectively known as Fart Barth. And that is straight out of their Facebook profile. Do you have a, like a number one single or like anything that Fart Barth has put out? No, because I kind of, um, and maybe this is naive, but I kind of have the idea that their name 
stems from the reaction you have from listening to their music. Like you go to a fart barf concert and everyone is just out of both ends, just shitting their pants and puking everywhere. So well, I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things. Yeah, we got to We got to get rid of these guys. We got to throw them in jail. They're making everyone crap their pants. Yeah. They're going to send everyone into a crispy ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> to your point before, I would love to see a party that is played. I mean, you and I work in the event business, um, a party that is played by fart barf opening and the headlining act being Natalie Portman's shaved head. Yes. Uh, I, I cannot wait to introduce fart barf to the crowd and say, ladies and gentlemen, fart barf. Everyone just starts puking and shitting themselves. I don't okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> um, so look, you got, you got a four out of six. That's a 67%. That is yes. a pass. That is like a C, I think. It was really that Alaskan thunderfuck that got me. That was the first one when I saw it. I was like, I need to include Alaskan thunderfuck. And I feel like being up against Candy Striper Death Orgy, like to your point, either of those could have been bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, look, you got a passing grade. You won today on Weeder Alt Band. And I, I congratulate you. I commend you for it. Yeah, and I would like to say to anyone who's listening, uh, if you are in one of these bands and you have a song you would like to send us to, for the introduction to our podcast, um, let us know. Hey. We're always looking for uh, a Nick and John theme song. So Natalie's Portman Shaved Head, let us know. Let us know. We'd love to uh, host you on the show. If you want to even come on and uh, play a couple songs live, unless you're Fart Barf. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you are. So, all right, Nick, let's move on to our second topic of the day. It is basketball time. It is the end of basketball season. So we'll see how much basketball we're going to talk about in future podcasts. I'm sure we're going to find a way to get it in there. Oh, but we will. <laughs> since we last recorded, the Toronto Raptors have won the NBA championship. Uh, I, I think when we last recorded, it was merely, I don't know, it was the beginning of the conference finals. Uh, I think maybe the Raptors were down 2-0 uh, to Milwaukee. And if you would have told me that the Raptors would win the championship, I would have been very surprised because we were thinking that Kevin Durant was coming back. Uh, no one thought about any injuries to Clay or Godala or anyone else. And it just, the basketball world changes so quickly sometimes. And so big congratulations to the Raptors, but let's kind of get into it. Um, Canada's team, I guess, yeah, won right. <laughs> the championship. So tell me what you think. What did you think of the finals? Oh, what did I think of the finals? Um, well, it's funny because here you and I are talking about the Raptors. Um, two people that probably on a normal day you wouldn't find talking about the Toronto Raptors, let alone cheering for them to win the NBA finals. Yet we found ourselves every single night watching the games, usually at a bar with a ton of other Raptors fans and rooting on, as you put, Canada's team. Um, it was cool to see the country unite behind our only Canadian team. Um, so that was fun. It was fun being a part of that because I am usually, for me, I mean, myself being a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, yourself being a Miami Heat fan, obviously both our teams were anywhere but in the playoffs this year. Um, so we kind of get to that point where we start picking what team are we going to cheer for. Myself, usually rooting for LeBron. Yourself, rooting for the best situation, which in the past has been not LeBron because of your feelings towards 
LeBron and the Heat, but we were in a situation where we found ourselves rooting for the Raptors, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It kind of added a different element to the game because no other situation would we have been able to find ourselves in a bar in Montreal, Canada, where we were rooting for the same team that every other person in that bar probably was. So it created a great atmosphere. Um, I love Kawhi Leonard. I have loved Kawhi Leonard now for years. I boast about him being, in my opinion, the third best player in the league. I think he definitely hammered that point home. If not, I mean, you even have people arguing him now as the best player in the world. I'm not there yet, but he, like, I'm definitely not there yet, but he definitely ensured himself as a top three player. That's amazing. Um, I'm happy for Kyle. I'm happy for Canada. So it was cool. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, when I was rooting for the Raptors, it was so interesting because it really, I think I said to you a few times while we were watching these games, it kind of made me sick to my stomach to root for the Raptors. And it wasn't, look, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be a hater, but I just want people to understand where I'm coming from because uh, I am a like brand loyal person. That's just yes. how I am in my life. Like I pick something and I usually stick with it. So unless like a company that I, own their products or a restaurant that I go to frequently. Like if they do something bad to me that I'm willing to switch, but I always like operate with different brands. Like if they're going to be good to me, then I'm going to stay loyal to them. And I've been a Miami heat fan for a very long time now, since I was pretty young. And this, this is like pre Wade championship. Like. Yeah. I would say it really started during that run to the finals uh, against Dallas where they, they won the first time. I, I was definitely interested in them beforehand, but uh, I had well, a lot just, just to give some background, like it kind of fell into your family there in Miami. They've yeah. always been rooting for Miami. So it kind of fell upon you to become a Miami Heat fan. Exactly. And then I think they were all up uh, in town for a wedding that year that uh, Wade and Shaq won that championship against Dallas the first time. So um, I really got excited about them then. And I was really interested in them. So they were always my team. And I was able, I was able to pick them as my team because it's not like Montreal had their own basketball team. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like, you know, uh, I'm very Americanized in terms of the way I look at sports. I follow college sports. And for me, like, you know, being a Heat fan was like, oh, even though I don't live in Miami, like I can't be an Orlando Magic fan. I can't root for the Magic because, you know, they're from the same state and they play each other, I don't know, six times a year. And mm -hmm. they, you know, like this is one of their immediate rivals. And even though the Magic haven't had as nearly as successful seasons in the last few years compared to the Heat, um, you know, like it's hard to root for them. So I almost have the same you know, consideration when it comes to the Raptors, where it's like, I am a Montreal Canadiens fan being our only professional sports team in Montreal at this point, uh, in the four major sports. Major leagues, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In like the top four sports. Uh, so, you know, I would never cheer for the Leafs. So when the Expos, even though they weren't necessarily rivals with the Blue Jays, you know, the thought when they left was never to go and cheer for the Blue Jays because they were close in proximity. I always felt like Toronto was one of our rival cities mm -hmm. that was like similar to Boston. You know, you didn't want to root for the same team that, you know, when I'm attending a Habs Leafs game and there's a guy in a Leafs jersey next to me and I want to kick his ass because he's cheering for the team I'm not cheering for. But then we're able to go to the same game, like we're able to go to the Blue Jays game after that and then we're both going to be cheering for the Blue Jays. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like it made sense to me that these people from your rival cities, like you're not going to cheer for their sports teams. 
So when it came to the Raptors, I was just never really into it, even though we never had a basketball team in the first place. It just felt like cheering for the Celtics. And I could never cheer for any Boston sports. I could never cheer for any Toronto sports. So I don't blame all these people. We have plenty of friends who are into the Raptors. I don't blame them. I mean, I became a big Chicago Cubs fan because the Cubs were the baseball team that was on TV the most at my house um, after the Expos left. So I don't blame people who turn on the TV and see the Raptors on and just at a frequency became Raptors fans. But it was just something that was really hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. As far as the finals were concerned, we had a situation where I love these amazing sports moments where you're basically watching history happen and these things that you're always going to remember. You know, Golden State winning three of the last uh, five championships, you know, you're going to remember like Golden State had a good team. But as far as, you know, like the individuals of year to year, they're going to wash away over time. But this like one first championship that ever happened in Canada, like this was a really big deal. So it was easy for me to get on board. And I definitely didn't become a bandwagoner, but I just felt like I want to be a part of whatever history that we're doing as a country. And it was really cool to cheer and support for them at that time. I'm definitely not becoming a Raptors fan, but I just thought it was cool. So we'll see you in a jersey next week. <laughs> yes, exactly. Encounter to your point, funny enough, my issue with the Raptors actually did kind of stem from the fans that we know or the fans, um, at least that I have come in touch with, who are Toronto Raptors fans, who have always been Toronto Raptors fans, because I'm not one when it comes to basketball who likes dealing with overhype. When people overhype a team that at least are a player that I feel is not there, funny enough, I find myself doing that a lot. I don't like it in return. So I've always felt like the Raptors were a team kind of very similar to growing up, how I always felt not being much of a hockey fan. People felt about the Habs, where every single year at the beginning of the season, you'd always hear, oh, this is our year. We, we are stacked. This is our year. And I'd always hear people talking about these Raptors players who I always felt weren't anything to really boast about, but they were really hyping them up. I remember hearing about the great depth in Terrence Ross, Corey Joseph, and Patrick Patterson, all of which are no longer on this team. We're not a part of this championship team. So I've always kind of disliked the team because of it. Maybe dislike isn't the best word, but I always stayed away from the fandom. I always was very critical of the team because of the way their fans portrayed it. Is that necessarily fair? No, but that's what it is. So this year I felt was the first year. And had you asked me at the beginning, which team was making it to the finals out of the East, I would have said the Celtics, but regardless, this was the first year where I felt the hype was warranted. I felt the way the fans, um, analysts, anyone spoke about the Raptors was not only warranted, but maybe even a bit underwhelming. So I actually watched a bunch of Raptors games this year, something I normally wouldn't usually do. Um, It led me to listening to their announcers a lot, which I really dislike. I find they're extremely biased. Everyone's going to say, oh, like every announcer. No, I find the Raptors announcers to be overly biased, never wanting to give any other team a good look, only boasting about their own team. That's a whole other discussion we can have another podcast. But I found myself watching Raptors games and enjoying them. And it was really cool to see the growth of Pascal Siakam. It was really cool to see Kyle Lowry transitioning into the role. I feel like they would have had more success in the past had he transitioned into that role earlier on. I don't think Kyle Lowry should be your star. And seeing Kawhi Leonard really solidify himself at the level that he should be solidified at was awesome. 
like you said, I am in no way a Toronto Raptors fan now, but the season was fun. It was even more fun watching the games with diehard Raptors fans and being a part of that, as you put it, historic moment. And yeah, we even got to go (laughs) into the streets of downtown after and see the craziness that was going on there. People running around with flags, chants, mosh pits. Um, It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I think what you were describing and the reason why you were not a Raptors fan is actually what I like to call Dallas Cowboys syndrome. <laughs> which is uh, very similar to to you know fans in the of the Cowboys who believe that every year they're going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, but th- look, that that's what happens when you're a diehard fan of certain teams. That's you know you see that a lot. And truth be told, you know I know what it's like to go through, and I'll, I'll talk about this with the Cubs. You know, I didn't grow up in Chicago and go through hundreds of years and generations of them not winning the World Series, but I certainly went through a number of years where they were not doing well. And I have my own baseball team in Montreal where they weren't doing well to finally have it culminate in a championship in 2016. And I was in Chicago when they won. And it was literally one of the greatest moments of my life. So when I have fans or I have friends who are really big fans of the Raptors, I'm very happy for them that yes. they won the championship. So that's exciting for me to at least like feel vicariously through my, you know, friends that, you know, I'm excited for them that they won a championship. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, our, our friend, Adam, uh, yeah. Shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam. He's been waiting for this. He was hoping for this for a very long time and really excited about this. And yeah, honestly to him, to any other Raptors fan out there, I'm happy for you. Yeah, exactly. And with regards to the finals themselves, um, really interesting series. I think this was something that, you know, I, we could get into this for a long time and I'll try and keep it brief. But, you know, this was obviously compared to what we saw in the last couple of years with the Cavs and the Warriors, a much more interesting series with Durant mm-hmm. not being there. It was much more evened up. You know, people can say what they want about the Warriors being injured. Uh, that stuff's going to wash away with time. People are going to forget about that because the truth be told, the Raptors had an amazing team. And I was frankly just stunned to see what they were doing. And it's not that I didn't believe that they necessarily could win a championship because I really felt like there were four teams in the East and there were two teams in the West. And any of those six teams could have won the championship. Like that's what I felt always. And, but I was really stunned just to see how well it all came together. It was like they were baking a cake or something and they put it in the oven and it was just like, ooh, this could come out like pretty good. Uh, It's my first time doing it where I'm like putting all the right ingredients in place and the cake came out and the cake was perfect. You couldn't have asked for it. Every time one player, like every time Gasol had a bad game, Ibaka had a good game. Every time Van Vliet had a bad game, you know, Lowry played better. It was just like, they just had such a, you know, proper symmetry in their team that they just always had two or three or four guys playing well, no matter what, like whether it was like if Kawhi was a little bit off, Siakam had a great game. Like you couldn't, you couldn't have asked for anything better. And that's like truly, I think probably like for the first time, maybe since, I don't know, we were talking about this a little bit, like since maybe like the Sixers got to the finals uh, with AI, like back in the day, or maybe even like the Pistons. uh, I think it was like an 04 when they got to the finals. We really just saw like a complete team, you know, get to the end uh, with, you know, one superstar. That was it. Just one guy who was able to be the leader and every single other person took after him on the floor. You didn't have like Kyle Lowry who has been criticized for not playing well in the playoffs. You had this guy who really showed composure 
through their losses and just look forward, look forward and took on that Kawhi personality. So, uh, you know, to me, if Kawhi is able to do this with the team, I think he is a, I agree with you, probably the third best player in the league, but definitely one that changes the balance of power depending on what team he is on. So if he stays on the Raptors, I could see them playing really well and potentially winning another championship in the future. If he goes somewhere else, that'll be interesting to see too. First of all, um, you said Kawhi personality. Let's be real. He's a robot. He does not have a personality. Kawhi, if you're listening, I'm just razzing you. But yeah, no, I agree. I think that wherever Kawhi goes, if it be back in Toronto, they have arguably the most valuable piece one can have in the NBA. Um, I'm saying arguably because A, who knows how KD is going to be after this injury. I mean, I hope if not at the same level, better, but we've seen this injury derail stars. Um, LeBron's at a point where I still, I still think he's the best player in the league in the world, but he is getting older. And then other than that, I would really leave it to either Kawhi or Steph Curry to be the most valuable asset a team can have um, to potentially lead them to a championship. Um, I, think, I think that this team, this Toronto Raptors team, and I'm not comparing them player per player, but kind of reminded me of the Golden State Warriors team that won their first championship within the past five years. And by that, I mean a team that had one bonafide star, and that's not to um, discredit Clay or to discredit Draymond, but one bonafide star who was clearly the leader and a couple other guys who were next level players, and then a rest of a team that was really uh, filled out and really well-rounded, that you knew when your bench was playing theirs, your bench was the better team on the floor, including players that could even go toe-to-toe with starting players. I mean, to say Van Vliet stepped up in the finals is like an understatement. That guy is a baller. That guy, I mean, if it wasn't Kawhi, if it wasn't the last game performance that Kyle had, Van Vliet is the MVP. I mean, Van Vliet was incredible. Gasol, the addition of him, I mean, to your cake analogy, it's almost like you took out the cake 10 minutes early and was like, oh, let me add a little Gasol and uh, Jeremy Lin and Patrick McCall, even though the latter of the two didn't really get much of a playoff run. All of these additions at the trade deadline really did help this team get to where they needed to be. And I think someone we've yet to mention that really deserves – almost as much credit as Kawhi Leonard is Nasai Ujiri because man, is that guy good at running a team, scoping out players, orchestrating trades. He's somewhat of a mastermind wizard when it comes to NBA. And yeah, look, I'm excited to see what's next for the Raptors. I'm excited to see what's next for Kawhi Leonard. Most importantly. Yeah. Look, for sure. I agree with you. Masai is definitely probably the best executive in the league. So uh, I can't wait to see what happens with the Raptors. And uh, why don't we close the chapter on the 2018-2019 NBA season. And let's talk a little bit about the future because Kawhi, we don't know where he's going to go. And we're going to have those answers coming up in just a couple weeks. So I assume that on the next podcast, we'll probably do a little bit more of a deep dive into where free agency impacted these teams and maybe talk about you know, going into next year. Well, one big thing already did happen, and that was Anthony Davis being traded. The trade isn't complete yet, but it is. he is expected to be going to the Lakers for Lonzo 
Hart, Ingram, and then the fourth overall pick and some other draft picks as well. So now we have Anthony Davis and LeBron, probably two top five players in the league playing with each other. Where do you see the Lakers going from here? Well, first of all, when you said one big thing has happened, I was really expecting that Mike Conley, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder trade. But um, yes. where I see this taking the Lakers, um, I, I really see them, and this is totally factoring in the KD and Clay injury. If they weren't injured, it would be a whole different story. But I see the Lakers heavily dependent on who else they can manage to put around these two players. But... I don't think it'll be difficult to get this team to be the top contender for the championship. I think, as I said earlier, LeBron is still the best player in the league. If he's given the chance, if his body does him well, you know, if he doesn't get injured, same with Anthony Davis. I think if Anthony Davis manages to stay healthy, I'm honestly putting Anthony Davis as the fourth best player in the league. I know that's somewhat of a hot take. I know people will have guys like Steph, Antetokounmpo, I'm saying Anthony Davis is the fourth best player in the NBA today if he manages to stay healthy. So that means that these are two guys who are playing with the best player either of them has ever played with. So if we thought a tandem of LeBron and Kyrie add in Kevin Love, LeBron and D. Wade add in Chris Bosh was phenomenal, wait till we see Anthony Davis and LeBron James together. I put three little points of why I think this duo not only is going to be the bet, get the best out of each other, but also lead them to the championship. First point I already said that these are the best players either of them has ever played with. Neither has played with a player that is a top five player in the NBA, arguably LeBron James and D Wade at the time. But I do think Anthony Davis is on a level and could eventually be on a level that surpasses D Wade. My second point being that LeBron is in the business of elevating other players' games. So if I believe Anthony Davis to already be the fourth best player in the league, imagine what he will be like when playing with LeBron James. This is a guy who is best known for making the players around him better. So I'm excited, if both stay healthy, and I'll keep saying that, to see an Anthony Davis that is backed up by LeBron. and. To that point, and my third point, being that LeBron is the best a player can possibly be at leading the pick and roll, as well as the potential of the lobs these two can create with one another. Those two things, I think, are going to be the key to making the Lakers a top offense in the NBA, if not the best offense in the NBA. Because if LeBron can make guys like Tristan Thompson or JaVale McGee look like stars in pick-and-roll scenarios, imagine when he has a talent like Anthony Davis going towards the rim. The two of them are just going to be unstoppable, whether LeBron decides to go to the rim himself, take the shot, or it's Anthony Davis attacking the rim. and also. Anthony Davis lives at the rim. So you're going to see plenty of highlight level lobs from LeBron, who is one of the best passers, not only in the league, but one of the best passers and playmakers we have ever seen play the game, lobbing it up to Anthony Davis. That is going to be on first take. That is going to be on every highlight reel that you can imagine. All those reasons, I think the Lakers right now 
are anticipated to be a championship contending team. What about you? Yeah, so I think you made a lot of great points. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the Warriors. I think people are really quick to write them off. I know that coming back from big injuries, uh, Clay and KD, they're very unlikely to win the championship just based on that. But I I wouldn't write them off. I think they have a good shot. And I think if they end up all being healthy by next May, um, they are still the favorites. So, and KD stays in in Golden State, obviously. So that would be that. Can we agree that with this injury, that became a lot more likely? 100%. Yes, I think he should, but that's just, we'll we'll see what's going to happen. Even if, you know, all he has to do is just do it for one more year and then he can be a free agent after that. So we'll see what happens there. With regards to the Lakers, um, I I really, I I have such a tough time seeing where they're going to go until I see the whole team. I think that they're definitely the favorites to come out of the West at this point. When you, you know, if, if you put all the players in the Western Conference out on the basketball court somewhere in a park and you said, uh, give me two, you know, you, you pick first and you get to take two people, like you're probably taking LeBron and AD. So, uh, you know, you're probably taking like two of the best players in the Western Conference and just, you know, putting them together. Uh, this is obviously assuming that KD is, is still injured. So, you know, I think they're going to be great, but they still need a team to be put around them. LeBron is older. He's not in his prime. He's still a great player, but he needs shooters that are around him. He needs, you know, a great bench and they don't have a lot of cap room. So I am a little bit hesitant to say that they would win it this year. I definitely think they're likely to win it in the next two to three years for sure. Um, Assuming that they could probably, you know, build their team out properly, but you know, I really find it interesting that they were able to keep Kuzma. I think that's like a really, mm. really big asset for them. I think that was, other than acquiring AD, I think that was the best part of the trade. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I think that the, having the number four pick instead to give away over Kuzma, because I think that had, they, had Magic made that trade in February, he would have also lost Kuzma. So yes. now that they're able to keep him, he's a very solid player to have uh, playing with those guys. So it'll be really interesting. But my overall you know, thought on what's going to happen is I see this as a very typical LeBron James season, you know, post Miami Heat, which is going to be a good team that around Christmas people are looking at as probably somewhere in the four to six seed spot. And people are saying, okay, when are they finally going to like come alive? And then probably as you inch towards the trade deadline next February, they're really going to come you know, together and they're going to acquire a couple pieces. And as they head towards the playoffs, they're, it's finally going to all come together. And you know, in the playoffs, LeBron gets the calls. Uh, he's definitely the type of person that comes alive. He actually plays defense in the playoffs. So I think that I could for sure see them doing well. So if I had to say, I, I think we're going to see a lot of panic in the Lakers fans for the first few months of this. And then once it all comes together, similar to the way it did with the Cavs, it will come together in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think in any scenario, it's very rare to get players of this caliber together and have them gel or mesh right away. I maybe, I don't think it's going to be as long as you think it is though. Cause I'd said to you the other day that I think LeBron James is the best player to put aside Anthony Davis for Anthony Davis's game. And I think Anthony Davis is the second best player. We both agree at being Clay Thompson to put next to LeBron James's game. I think the two of them 
just complement each other's games so well that I think it'll take time, but I don't think it'll take that much time. And I know you're someone to critique LeBron's defense, which I will, I will agree. It has been lackluster. It has been at times effortless, but you're putting him next to, in my opinion, let, let's call AD a top five defender in the league. Yeah. So I think where LeBron during the regular season chooses to lack in defense chooses because I think it's a matter of him just not going 100% AD is going to pick up that slack so I think that is really really going to help them on the defensive end and also in terms of who else they get which I agree we can't really look so much into it despite me already calling them champion contenders we can't really talk much about it until knowing who's surrounded by them I don't think they have room for a max slot anymore but big talks right now about Jimmy Butler. You're someone who I think believes in Jimmy a little more than I do in terms of his being able to play as a part of a team and being a part of a chemistry and running an offense with other players. But what do you think about a starting lineup potentially, potentially consisting of at the center spot, Anthony Davis, power forward Kyle Kuzma, small forward LeBron, shooting guard Jimmy Butler, and Rajon Rondo as your point guard? I, I don't love Rondo in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather them get like Terry Rozier. Um, yeah, yeah. Like right. I'd rather someone like that, you know, someone that's not like the top level guy, but like a guy who's proven himself that he could step up on a big stage. And I think, not that I don't, you know, think Rondo's good and all, but I just think that he's a little bit past uh, his prime. And I think mm-hmm. he would be a little bit of a liability in that group. Uh, my thing about Jimmy Butler has always been the same thing. I think that he is the uh, perfect person to play, a, you know, besides two other stars. So, you see how it worked on Philly. He was the best version of Jimmy Butler on Philadelphia when he's playing yeah. with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, if the Rockets would have got him, I think he would have played great with Chris Paul and James Harden. Uh, I think that if the Lakers get him, you know, you having him with two other people, two other guys who are willing to work, committed, um, willing to play defense. I mean, that's a big thing for him. So I think that, uh, you know, and that's not a knock on LeBron. I'm just saying that the, you know, he wants to be play with players who are willing to play hard. And I think that they would be the type of thing. I mean, Anthony Davis, assuming he stays healthy, is probably one of the best defenders in the whole league. So I, I think he definitely has a place there. Uh, I like that lineup. I think it's super interesting. And uh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Agreed. Looking forward to it. Okay, so let's move on to our final topic of the day. It is almost summertime. We talked about the weather a little bit. It's getting nice out. And one of the things that I always find fun to do at this time of the year is to like, think to myself, like, what's the song of the summer going to be this year? And sometimes I'm like really off on my calls. Sometimes I'm really right. I haven't really decided 2019, which is a song of the summer yet. I think that the staying power of Old Town Road may just carry itself through to the summer. But uh, we'll see what comes out. Maybe something else will come out. Yeah, no, when thinking of what could potentially be the song of summer 2019, or at least compiling my top five that was a question that was in my head the entire time does old town road have the power to carry through the next two to three months and i guess we'll find out what i thought when we get through our lists yeah exactly so this is what we're going to do so we decided what are the top five songs of the summer ever now 
we were kind of, you know, we did our research. So there's a couple of ways to do this. And we didn't really discuss this in advance. So I'm curious, you know, we could both have a little bit different approaches. I was actually struggling with this a little bit, which is, do I do my favorite top five songs of the summer? Or do I do like the society's like top five songs of the summer uh, that were the greatest ever? So did you pick one of those two? Or you just kind of just put your list together? So we're going to struggle even harder with this because I thought the topics were top five summer songs of this summer. Oh, did you really? <laughs> so I compiled a list of what I thought were going to be the top five songs of this upcoming summer. That's fine. So let's do that. Okay, so, so you're <laughs> going to give the top five songs of summer 2019 and I'm going to give historically the best top five songs of the summer. So how about... We each give like our five, our four, whatever. You give me the feedback on my list. I give you my feedback on yours. Sounds good. Okay. You can see that we- I love these sort of mishaps. (laughs) Always always exciting stuff on the Nick and John podcast. Yes, exactly. All right. So so let's start. So I actually, did you do a top five or do you have any honorable mentions? I know sometimes we get stuck with those. I have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, I'll run through them really quickly. Um, I decided to not put Old Town Road. I think that some other- I know we could, we um, labeled it a country song in a past podcast. Check that one out. But I think another hip hop esque song is going to end up like being like the hip hop jam of the summer. So honorable mention: Old Town Road. I also have Talk by Khalid, Wow by Post Malone. I don't know if this is pronounced Shug or Suge, but Shug by the Baby, Pop Out by Polo G, Pure Water, which is DJ Mustard and Migos. And lastly, of my honorable mention, Look Back at It by A Boogie with a Hoodie. You? So I had a couple of honorable mentions. These are ones that I really wanted to put in the top five. And these are ones more because uh, not that they're necessarily everybody's. Like if you're like 40 years old, like I don't know if you're 50 years old. Like I don't know if you're thinking about these couple songs as your top five summer songs of all time. But I just felt like for me personally, like hearing them in a lot for a couple summers that I was like, ooh, I need to include these in some way. So my two honorable mentions that I have for summer songs of all time, uh, number one is Party Rock Anthem, uh, LMFAO. I mean, that summer that came out, that was like really crazy. Everyone was just jamming to it. I I never loved it, but it was just something that like when LMFAO was in its prime, uh, everyone knew the words to those songs. And then the second one, was Umbrella by Rihanna. Oh, good choice. Yeah, so that one was like a huge summer song. That was a song I always liked. I think that was a 2007. Uh, I know she even made a remix with Chris Brown called Cinderella. Cinderella. Uh, And that was, yeah, I think they were dating at the time. And that was just a really big song of the summer. So I don't know if like pop culture would say that those two were like, maybe even Party Rock Anthem they might include, but I I don't know. Like these were songs that I thought were, important enough in my lifetime but maybe not for everybody Mm -hmm. um really funny just while we're on lmfao i was watching some of their music videos including party rock anthem with a couple of people like two weeks ago and we were just like in awe and kind of marveling over the fact that these guys this music this style this look that was so popular all of like what, what was it this was like 10 years ago uh, yeah, ago? so I would say it was about 2011, 2012. 2011, 2012, how ridiculous it all looks, it all sounds, it is in today's world. I mean, I if you're listening, and John too, I challenge you to go watch the Party Rock Anthem music video and question how that would fare in 2019. Because I think it would be 
if not a meme, just go completely unnoticed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. At that time, that song, that band just took over the world. There was not a radio station you couldn't turn on that wasn't playing that song and every other thing that they pushed out at the time. Yeah, exactly. So do you want me to do, so we're going to do five and five or in four and four, or do you want to do our top five lists at like one at a time? Let, let's, let's do, let's do the list one at a time just to avoid confusion. Cause okay. just to make it clear again, I did a list of what I believe are going to be, and obviously songs are going to come out, but what I believe are going to be the top five songs of this coming summer. Whereas John, you did top five summer songs of all time. So why don't I start with 2019 and then you go into all time. Okay. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. So first off, and again, I'd like to reiterate, songs will come out. I'm sure that there is going to be a hip hop song that is going to be huge. If it's not Old Town Road, there's going to be another hip hop song that is going to be one of the songs of the summer. Unfortunately, being a major hip hop fan, major hip hop fan, I did not have a hip hop song on this list, but to get into it, at my number five spot, I had Hey Look My Made It by Panic at the Disco. Thoughts? Interesting uh, that you didn't choose High Hopes, which is uh, another great song by Panic at the Disco right now. But Hey Look My Made It, it's definitely like one of those that is less party and more like have a drink on the patio. Yeah, for sure. And I feel um, despite High Hopes, and I checked out the Billboard charts because full disclosure, I don't know much of the new music out there these days and I don't want to sound old because I'm not but I just haven't really been in the scene lately so I had to do my research um High Hopes is still actually um going up in the charts but I feel like it's been out long enough that it's gonna start having a decline if not pretty soon eventually throughout the summer whereas I feel that song High Hopes actually put Panic! at the Disco back on a platform where people are interested in their music again. So coming out with a song, Hey Look My I Made It, which is already all over the radio, super catchy. Like you said, something you can enjoy on the back porch with a drink. I think that's going to be a big song this summer. So for the number four, I had Sucker by Jonas Brothers. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that one. That one is definitely a summer jam. The Jonas Brothers are back. And Jonas Brothers are back. Yeah, it's really crazy. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but they're like one of the, I, I think like the first boy band since maybe it was like 2001 or something like that to be get a song number one on the Billboard charts. Oh, wow. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I apologize if that's that is wrong, but I believe I saw that somewhere. Hey, they, they can do anything. They can, uh, defeat the likes of Disney and they can be the first boy band since 2001 to be number one on the charts. I love it. So for number three, and this is kind of cheating a little bit. Um, I have, I don't care by Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. If not, I don't care. Cross me. If not cross me, any other major incredible song that's going to come out from Ed Sheeran's upcoming collab album. Yeah, I don't think that's cheating. I think that's totally fair. If you hear a song and you're like, oh, that could be the song in the summer, then yeah, no, that I agree with. I think I Don't Care is probably a pretty good candidate because you got the beebs on it. So yeah, um, I think that would be, I think it's a great choice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that kind of like swayed me, I don't know, was I saw that I Don't Care was already descending in the charts and that's not that long after it's been out. But I don't know, I'm hearing the song everywhere. Um, the music video is 
awesome. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's great with the uh, green screen. It's yeah. Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran, two of the biggest powerhouses in pop music of our era of arguably, you know, they're, they're, they're two of the greats in the pop world. Um, so yeah, I see, I don't care being the song of the summer. If not that, I really love cross me chance. The rapper is a star has great likability. Anything he seems to touch spreads and turns to gold. And in terms of anything else that's on his album, I'm really excited. The collab list came out for Ed Sheeran's upcoming album. There's 50 Cent, there's Eminem, Travis Scott, uh, Bruno Mars, and a whole myriad of just incredible artists. So one of those songs will be. He's awesome. We, we, let, let's talk about Ed Sheeran on another podcast because I have a lot to say. Okay. But uh, next up at number two, and I think you'll agree, I have Sean Mendez, If I Can't Have You. Yeah, that one I definitely agree with too. Um, I love that song. I know that there's some people who don't like it. Actually, uh, I'll I'll shout out to Ali, um, who said <laughs> that uh, she finds it very repetitive. But uh, to me, it's just so catchy. And so I, catchy. And I just find that like initial build up right at the beginning um, gets me like really hyped up. I don't know. There's just something about it. I really do like that song. Yeah, and I mean, look, I don't necessarily. I mean, I don't dislike Shawn Mendes. But I think this is the first time that he's had a song that I genuinely will be like, wow, I really like this song. I mean, other songs have been like, oh, that's catchy. Oh, that's like pleasurable to listen to. But um, no, it's the first song that I really like of his. So I'm going with that. And number one at the top, and I listened to this song for the first time today when doing this research, but I believe it to be the song of the summer is Heaven by Avicii. Oh, okay. Interesting. Why? Well, for, first of all, R.I.P. Avicii. Uh, but I think Avicii is in the business of making hits, let alone summer hits. It's a very, like, kind of best of both worlds for the summer. And by that, I mean, to your point earlier, partying with your friends and lounging around having drinks with your friends outside. I think this song has the power for both those scenarios. Uh, ample summer music listening to time. It's Avicii. I think people love Avicii. I think people miss Avicii. I'm not saying that his death is going to be marginalized or used to, you know, get the song out there. But I do think there's somewhat of a nostalgia by listening to an artist who has passed music. It kind of, you know, you remember them being around. It's, it's, it's just a part of being a fan when, God forbid, an artist you love passes. And I don't know, I listened to it and it kind of reminded me of a lot of his other hits that went viral, that became number ones that were just the biggest songs at the time that they came out. So I really do believe, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it just entered the charts like this past week. And I'm pretty sure it debuted, I don't remember the exact number, but somewhere high. And I mean, look, for your song to even debut, like, you know, high on the charts that's already saying a lot so i think avici heaven has the potential to be the number one song of summer 2019 and hey maybe one day even make that all-time list yeah for sure uh maybe it'll make my list when we do this next year but uh i actually doing some research on the song the song was actually written in 2014 oh. uh, with chris martin from coldplay so this is a song that they've actually been working on for about five years and it was going to be included on this album regardless of whether he passed away or not. So it could be a really cool song. We're really interested to see where it goes. I'm going to get into the all-time list, my all-time top five, I guess, songs of the summer. And I know this is totally subjective and personal, so people are going to have different opinions. 
but I'll, you know, we'll go through them one by one and you'll give me your opinions. So a few of them are songs that have happened in our lifetime, which I'm curious to see if you agree with or not. The other, there's another two that are a little bit more old school, but we'll talk about them. So number five is Katy Perry's California Girls. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a song that's like super, you know, happy go lucky, super friendly, super catchy and came out like right at the time that Katy Perry was pretty much like out of her peak. So what well, do you think? I mean, I think we can even argue and obviously songs like I kissed a girl and songs that came out at that time were the ones that put her on and made her as, you know, really big. But I think one can argue that California girls was kind of that song that pushed her over the edge. And I mean yeah. that in a good way that kind of like propelled her to superstardom because that kind of then ended up following up with firework. I think California girls is really where that superstardom started. Yeah, exactly. And like having Snoop Dogg in the song was huge. And uh, just that summer of 2010, when it was on, it was uh, like our first summer it's as staff at camp. And I just remember like always hearing that song everywhere we went and uh, definitely had to make the top five. For my number four, I actually went with one that was my most recent song on the list. And that was actually the song called Summer by Calvin Harris. Oh, okay. And- so that was one that I was kind of considering. I was considering swapping out Party Rock Anthem with it, but that song uh, is definitely my one in the last couple of years. That's like, think of a song about the summer. And I know it's just the name is there, but it's just that I like literally could not go anywhere. Like if I was going to a bar, if I was going to a club, I was going anywhere. Like this song was playing no matter what. And it was just almost like, let me be the song in the summer. And I just felt like that was it. I feel like that was one of those things when like he started making the song by that. I mean like the music of it he like had this idea of like having a summertime jam. We're going to call it summer. I'm going to get this artist. And like, he like knew in that moment that this was going to be like one of the biggest songs of any summer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the summer of 2014 that came out. Okay. You just blew my mind. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit of an older jammer, but one that probably everyone knows and would say is definitely a top summer song. And that would be the song Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Uh, Came out in 1984 and before our time, but it was still, uh, you know, it's had like a lasting impact and it was always a big, you know, summer song that people always jammed out to whenever it came on. So um, Brian Adams is actually Jody's favorite artist. So Jody um because i believe you're listening i'm sure she probably just shrieked right now so enjoy this moment brian adams is being mentioned on the podcast uh we actually went to the brian adams concert when he came here in montreal so um i love it um aside from getting the jody seal of approval on that one um i agree i mean it's a song that's clearly outlasted time i mean it's a song that's still sung like it's like one of those like sing-along songs you know when you're by the fire everyone's gonna be singing this song and what's more summer than singing a bunch of songs by the fire exactly and nothing you know that was very 80s but nothing signified the 90s more than fresh prince of bel-air and dj jazzy jeff with summertime you know will smith obviously taking the reins here at number two uh because that was an absolute like 90s jammer and uh, I think it's definitely one of the greatest songs of the summer ever. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's Will Smith back in his fresh days, his fresh Prince days. So, uh, yeah, no complaints there. I mean, like, like the Calvin Harris one, I mean, it's in the title. It's meant to be a song that is for the summer. And when you think of summer, you think of fun times, 
good times and that's what you'll get from that song. Yep, exactly. Okay, so for my number one, I'm actually very curious. Uh, this one to me feels obvious, but I don't know. Do you have any idea where I'm going with this? This is a song, and I'll give you a couple of clues. This is a song that came out only a few years ago, I would say. I would say within the last maybe like seven, eight years. And this song was probably the biggest summer song of our lifetime. And I would say the biggest summer song ever. Huh. Um... For the listeners at home, um, John definitely has a way more wide range and like vast knowledge of music than I do. Um, not to say that I don't know music, but so this is a song that you would know. Um, this I feel is like it's also- the same thing. If I asked you this question, you'd be like, "Oh, yeah." So, so this is a Canadian artist, actually, um, but it went, you know, like this song was, you know, popular all over the world and okay so it was 2012 so is it call me maybe it is call me maybe ah! yes call me maybe carly ray jepson like, who was big at the time yes it is call me maybe uh this has to be the greatest summer song ever most catchy um the fact that yeah like i mean the fact that you were able to think about it i guess over time and kind of get to it i think this is a song that if you ask like nine out of ten people who know music would say what is the best summer song ever or not maybe not best because some people may not actually care for the song but the most popular summer song ever i think this has to be the top of the list so it's funny and I, well first of all i 100 agree great call great pick carly if you're out there mwah. um what's funny is and i guess where it didn't come to mind initially is for me i think of it as in my time working at bar mitzvahs it's arguably one of the best bar mitzvah songs so yeah, that's just kind of the realm that I see it in because we couldn't do a party that didn't have everyone in the room, whether you were a kid, whether you were a parent, whoever you were, literally screaming the lyrics to this song. Um, and I guess that kind of is a good um, reason for why it is one of, if not the greatest summer songs of ever, because at that time you couldn't go anywhere where everyone didn't know the words to this wherever it was playing everyone was singing along whether you loved it whether you hate it you knew the words and you were singing it like it was one of those things that people either loved it or they loved to hate it honestly i i did love it there are some songs that oh, are songs of summer that got a little bit annoying over time uh like i was saying like party rock anthem but call me maybe i think was just probably uh so great and uh yeah so that concludes what well actually overall what did you think of the top five list I think it was good. I, th- I, th- I think you really hit it on the nose. Like I said, um, I think you definitely are more built to do an all-time list than I am because I think just like you, first of all, in terms of you're way more organized than I am. So in terms of the categorization and knowing, you know, which songs were in the summer, when they came out, but also just your knowledge of it. And I know you keep heavy track of music. I know your playlists are organized by winter of 2012 uh, spring of 2012 so this was kind of the perfect thing for you to create and i'm actually really happy that i got to hear it rather than trying to make a competing list because now i have a playlist to go into the summer with and you know jam out to this john's summer jams 2k forever so i love it yeah we basically created our own spotify uh songs of the summer list for both 2019 and all time which gives me the idea of when this grows, which I mean, look, we're already the most listened to podcast on all of Spotify, but when this grows even more, we should make a Spotify playlist. If anyone wants to listen to uh, Nick and John's jams. 
Yes, I agree. Uh, so on that note, with growing and everything, definitely follow us on social media. Nick is at FreyNick, any platform. And I am, I am at John Schneider 24 uh, But even if you don't want to follow us, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a bunch of other, uh, you know, any place you can really get a podcast at this point. We're out on probably like nine to 11 different platforms at this point. Ooh. So definitely check us out on any of those. And uh, like I said, we're going to be promoting this. So let us know what you think. We're always looking for feedback and we're looking to grow. We have some really fun plans for upcoming podcasts. So we're excited about that. Now that we're heading into the summer months, I definitely have some more time to record. So I look forward to doing these a little bit more often. And it's, uh, it's always great to catch up with you, Nick. Yeah, always great. Always great to catch up and talk to you here because I feel we have great discussions. Hopefully the listeners agree. And to your point, I really look forward to doing this more. I mean, we went a little hiatus, you know, with uh, the playoffs going on and with just each of us being busy. But now that we're freeing up a little bit, uh, the listeners are going to get a whole lot more of Nick and John. Yep, absolutely. And uh, enjoy your purple Urkels for anyone who is out there and wants to try one and uh, don't head into any crispy ambulances. And thank you so much for listening to us. Have a great rest of your week and drive home and we will see you next time.